It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Vikings cruise past the Packers and pass their first test under Kevin O'Connell with the help of Justin Jefferson's game-changing performance. We're breaking it all down, and it's coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota, your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV, and on CARE 11. And Reg, our very first Victory Monday we've ever shared together right here on Superior Sports Talk. Yeah, I can get used to this, man. feels nice. I like this Victory Monday. Right? Yeah, let's, hey, let's keep it going. Yeah, plenty to get into, but first, remember, follow along Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there, and on Twitter, give us a follow, at Locked On M-I-N. Remember, we're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. Ron Johnson Show, Football Party, and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go, and your Minnesota Vikings, just like we all predicted, Rich, never a doubt, cool and calm, the start of a new regime, new front office, first-time head coach in his first game ever calling plays. I told you in the summer, this is the game I always find for a circle on the schedule. We get the Packers right out the gate, U.S. Bank Stadium. You were there. It was loud. It was hostile. Vikings used that to their advantage, suffocating Aaron Rodgers all day, hold them to just seven points points that matched the lowest defensive point total allowed under the eight-year Mike Zimmer era and it only took one game Vikings cruise 23-7 open up the 2022 season on a strong note thanks to Justin Jefferson nine catches buck 84 two touchdowns 158 of those coming in the first half alone by the way good enough for the most by a Vikings receiver in the last 30 years JJ now has five career games of 150 yards or more one more would tie randy moss for the most such games in the nfl before turning 24 reg so many talking points to get into i'm going to clear the stage step back give you the mic your initial thoughts about the vikings week one win versus aaron Rodgers and the packers that'll work you know that that that'll, <laughs> that'll do, do. We'll, yeah we'll, we'll take that you know it's interesting uh coming out the packers just Something about those week one games that they just don't seem to be A, prepared or just be like they're trying to feel their way out of the situation. Not really sure. You remember last year, they got beat down by the Saints in week one. And then this year, they they suffered defeat to the Vikings. And so what's interesting is, you know, we never really knew what to expect from this Vikings team coming out. Like, we didn't see anything in the preseason. Kevin O'Connell played his cards really close to the vest. Like he didn't want to put any tape out there to let opponents know what to expect from them. And it's funny, uh, my co-anchor last night, he brought up something that I thought was funny. He was like, the, the Vikings up until that point 
were kind of like McDonald's soft serve. They were vanilla. And I was like, you know, yeah, they were pretty vanilla. Like you didn't really know what they were going to do one way or the other. And so coming out yesterday, they really came out and were aggressive, especially on defense. Like if the defense is going to stay healthy, they came out relatively clean yesterday. Only injury uh, notable was Andrew Booth Jr. with the quad injury. He didn't return yesterday. Hopefully all is well with him and he can get back soon. But if Zadarius and Daniil can stay uh, healthy, oh my goodness. Like those two dudes are going to wreak havoc on opposing offenses. Like Zadarius seems motivated. Daniil seems motivated. They were jacked up. They got a few new monikers. Uh, It's meet at the quarterback. It's also, they, they're calling themselves the edge department this year. And also, uh, BMF, which stands for bad mama jamma, but, you know, mama jamma, insert the other words that I can't say because this is a family program. But those guys are are as advertised. And if they can just stay healthy, like, watch out. Because this team looked juiced yesterday. And you just only want to see them build on it. And that was a heck of a way to start. Still left some plays to be had out there. Um, Some stalled drives ending in field goals. And I talked to Justin Jefferson about that after the game. And he was saying that, you know, it was a little frustrating, a little disappointed that they couldn't get six out of some of those drives because that score could have been ballooned even more. I think they kept the Packers in it a little bit more than how fans were maybe comfortable. But they still did what they had to do on defense to keep the the Packers offense at bay. And honestly, they had the the Packers were supposed to be much improved on defense. Man, that Minnesota offense took advantage of the Packers on defense all game long, especially looking at the matchup with Justin Jefferson. Why you don't shadow him with Jair Alexander, Mm -hmm. who was one of the top corners in the league, you know, every play. I don't know. There was a couple times where they had Preston Smith in coverage on Justin Jefferson. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so I think the the challenge, though, is going to be sustaining the offensive excellence because you mentioned Jefferson had 158 yards in that first half. In the second half, though, you know, he only finished with 184. So didn't do as much in the second half as he did in the first half. They did all that they needed to do in the first half, obviously, to to help put the game away. It was just about, you know, keeping the Packers off their heels in the second half, and they successfully did that. Yeah, Jair, he kept it politically correct in the locker room post game, but he certainly had some underlying tones of he was frustrated. He wasn't mm. shadowing J.J. all game. And we knew they were going to get J.J. all over the field in that Cooper Cup role. That was certainly the case from ESPN Stats Info on Twitter. Kevin Seifer posted J.J.'s snap count Sunday. 42 snaps lined up outside, 12 in the mm-hmm. slot, two in the backfield, and one lined up at tight end. You can't make it up. The men in motion pre-snap was just a thing of beauty. The window dressing was incredible from KOC, almost putting the defense in a trance at times, not knowing who's going where, who's got who, really put so much stress on the communication of your defense. Snap in, snap out. And in the heat of the moment, in the face of the fire, critical third downs, big plays, running on and off the field, it's so tough to keep all 11 guys on the same page. So just a tremendous 
tremendous game plan by KOC Sunday. Defensively, though, Reg, I want to go back to that. They force an interception on Rodgers. Dirty Harry pulls that one down. And that was Rodgers' first interception against the NFC North since 2019. Prior to that, mm -hmm. he had thrown 38 touchdowns and zero interceptions against the division. They had that goal line stand, which was huge on fourth down. Mm -hmm. But maybe most importantly, they don't allow a single point at the end of either half for the first time since 2020. Over two years, Reg, nearly wow. 35 games we haven't seen that from the defense and been able to say that. So it's just one game. It's week one at home. You knew that place was going to give you a loud home field advantage. You know the Packers were down two offensive linemen before the game. They lost John Runyon during the game. So three O-linemen down by halftime. First game without Devontae Adams. It's just important to keep all that in mind. But from what you saw, just how good do you think this defense could get to when they're playing at their best in 2022. I want to go back to something uh, in the game yesterday. Very first play from scrimmage from the Packers, Christian Watson beats Patrick Peterson. And when I say beat him, like he beats him. Like he has him by at least three steps. And Rodgers bombs it out and Watson should have hauled it in for what would have been a 75-yard touchdown. First it, it's play It's seven, 7-7. Seven. Yeah, first play. That would have set seven. the tone. Yep. That would have set the tone. And that would have really kind of given the Packers some confidence. He drops the pass. He's beside himself. Aaron Rodgers is beside himself all day. Because there were some drives where they could have stayed in it. Drop passes. Guys not getting open. Like, that was an offense that we have not seen from the Packers before. And, you know, usually you're like, look, Aaron Rodgers is going to come in there and, and he'll get things done. You know, he'll, you know, galvanize the, the receiver unit and it'll be all good. Like, I think his best receiver yesterday was like Robert Tunyon or something like that. It was, it was crazy. You know, we were expecting to see Romeo Dobbs maybe have a breakout in his first start of his NFL career. You know, they drafted Christian Watson. Some gave him and graded him out as a first-round pick. He was kind of slow to come on after an injury in training camp. Not really, not really a factor yesterday. And I think the defense did a really good job of just mixing it up. You know, Zadarius talked about having, you know, Coach Smith, Coach Pettin come over from the Packers. So he really kind of has some comfort you know, stepping into that defense. Yesterday, though, I saw some complex formations and some complex looks from their defensive scheme. Like, there were times where Zadarius was, you know, standing up, and you look on the other side, and Daniil has both hands in the ground. He's rushing that way. And you're just like, whoa. And then, you know, they're moving them around. You know, they're, they're rushing the passer, you know, in different – gaps you know one time maybe he's in the a gap one time he's on the edge one time maybe he's in the b gap like they did a really good job of just kind of like mixing it up on defense to make things confusing uh for that packers offense and rogers you know to your point man he had a day man and he did not have a very enjoyable day he was not having a very good time out there like it was something that that you saw that you you couldn't have scripted any better he was getting brutalized. Like that one time when he tried to throw the block on the end around 
and ran right into Zadarius Smith. Zadarius was and like, then hey, stumbled look, man. getting back up. My favorite yeah. part when he stumbled we, to get back up and had to play it cool. We asked, yeah, we asked Zadarius after the game, like what that was what that was like. And he was just like, Look, I told him to, you know, stay doing quarterback stuff. Like you you continue to just, you know, do the quarterback thing. Don't try to get out there and block somebody like me. You know, and it, it looked like a funny and a fun moment between the two guys during the game. But then after the game, when they asked Aaron Rodgers about it, he was like, I don't want to talk about Zadarius. I got no comment on Zadarius. Okay. And it was just like, okay. OK, bucko, like, all right, fine. Be salty, you know, with your new haircut or whatever. But I think the defense checked out like that was exactly what you expect to see. And, you know, when you look at it. They didn't have Lewis seen yesterday. Cam mm -hmm. Bynum checked out. Harrison Smith looks like same old Harry. You know what I mean? Like it, it, Patrick Peterson left a little bit to be desired, but he was not, you know, uh, a, a factor in, in, you know, any defensive lapses or anything like that outside of that potential 75-yarder on the first play from scrimmage. Like I said, don't like that Booth was out. Uh, that he got hurt, and that's something to monitor his health moving forward. You want to see him come out of these games healthy and be effective. Um, but I think other than that, defense check, Harrison Phillips, man, doing his thing. Unsung, quiet, unsung hero, defensively unsung hero of the game for me. Quietly we'll get just into that doing later, his thing. Just a quietly piece. just doing Absolutely. his thing. And, and we'll mm -hmm. talk, like you said, we'll talk about it a little bit more too. They let Jordan Hicks go in Arizona. What does he do? Go out there and just have the most productive day as a, <laughs> as a starter on that defense. So a lot to draw on from yesterday's performance. And I just keep saying it. It checks out. Yeah, Jordan Hicks on pace for like 400 tackles, 50 sacks already <laughs> after week one. Sunday was the first game Aaron Rodgers has ever started against the Vikings where the Packers failed to score 10 points. Defense with four sacks, you just mentioned him. Jordan Hicks, Wanham, Zadarius Hunter, all in on the action. One forced fumble, fumble recovery, and interception by Harrison Smith. And not one but two fourth down stops. One at a critical juncture and moment mm -hmm. when Harrison Phillips and Zadarius Smith Smith crashed down on A.J. Dillon at the goal line to turn the Packers over on downs. Packers come away with zero points, obviously, on that drive. And just really, after that Christian Watson drop pass on their first play, which you already mentioned, Rodgers and company just never looked like they were in it emotionally. The body language nope. was weak. The eye rolls, the death stares back to the coach and the sideline were just killing me. But Rodgers was not feeling it yesterday, <laughs> and Vikes defense made life miserable for him. Ed Donatel, great game plan on him all day. As mm -hmm. far as Kevin O'Connell goes, though, what can you say? Huge win in his first game ever. Comes away with a victory against your biggest rival. Can't write a script any better than that. Talk to me about what impressed you the most with KOC and maybe one great move KOC put on the Packers specifically that you noticed throughout the game. Could be offensively or defensively. Kevin O'Connell looks like he was prepared for the moment. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because talking to the team, they were talking about how he was so anxious late in the week, just antsy to get out there. And I think, Ready to go. you know, yeah. some nerves and, and really just trying to show and prove what he can do. And his performance yesterday got him a game ball from Kirk Cousins, which was a really cool moment in the locker room after the game. He became only the fifth 
head coach to win his Vikings debut. So that was that was really exciting uh, from that standpoint. You know, you didn't know what to expect from him. First time play caller as a head coach, like it was a lot that was going to, you know, be going on that he had to manage and, you know, not an easy first opponent. You know, there's, you know, in college, you know, you, you get a chance to play, you know, like the Gophers play like a Western Illinois, New Mexico State, whatever. No, the rent is due every week in the NFL. There are no cupcake opponents. And especially this one, you know, going up against the Packers and Kevin O'Connell just looked prepared, man. Like it was interesting. We didn't know what to expect from the offense. And they came out. Really, it was interesting, uh, Luke. They came out with uh, three passes to the tight end. If you would have told me on my on my bingo card that the first two passes of Kirk Cousins' uh, 2022 season were going to go to Johnny Munt, Johnny Munt, I would have said, "Excuse what?" Ben Ellison gets in there on, on some passes, and you're just like, "What is going on?" But I think what was interesting to see from KLC's play calling and just his personnel groupings was just how diverse the offense was. Yeah, he was throwing it to uh, the tight ends. I, I don't, Irv only had a limited snap count. He only 19 got snaps, a pass. I think. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And so, mm -hmm. but you look at it, three tight ends they used, they got passes to Jefferson, Thielen, Osborne, Cook. Madison got in there on some carries. CJ Ham got a critical first down for them on a screen pass. Like that was some offensive diversity that we had not been accustomed to seeing. And it's interesting when Adam Thielen was asked after the game about the offense, he was like, man, we just kept attacking. I've never been in an offense like that before, which was pretty telling. You know, Thielen's been in the league for a while now. And for him to say something like that, was really telling. I think what's interesting is the game plan was to get the ball to Justin Jefferson early and often, and they took advantage of that. What we're going to see moving forward are teams making adjustments to that. They're mm -hmm. not going to see it to where Justin Jefferson catches a pass and he jukes himself because he can't, <laughs> he can't realize that there's no one around him within like 10 to 15 yards. And so he's not going to be open like that every game. So the, Kevin O'Connell is going to continue to have to scheme uh, ways for Justin Jefferson to stay open. But you also expect him to spread the ball around even more. You know, Thielen was relatively quiet yesterday. Osborne, supposed to have a big year this year. He was relatively quiet yesterday. Um, like I said, the stalled offensive drives, I know – Kevin O'Connell has something to improve on from that. But you asked the question, something that really kind of set the tone for KLC yesterday was that first drive. They get the mm. ball first. They march all the way down the field. It's fourth and one. And you're like, oh, man, what's going to happen here? Not only does he go for it, he schemes Justin Jefferson wide open and he walks Beautiful. in for the touchdown. Mm. That set the tone for the day. That was like, oh, okay, all right, the Vikings are not messing around here. Like, they're they're about to do this thing. And surely enough, that's what happened. They, they attacked early and often. You know, they weren't content just sitting back and, and trying to nurse the lead. Like, they were trying to increase the lead. Like I said, there were some stall drives ending in field goals. 
They didn't score any more touchdowns in the second half, and you want to see them improve on that. But as far as a debut goes, Kevin O'Connell, prepared, really couldn't ask for anything better. Chef's kiss, baby. Beautiful. I think so much of it, too, defensively has to do with the offense and how they're dictating and controlling games. We all know how much easier life is on a defense in the NFL when you're up two scores and can pin your ears back and get into the backfield. I think about all those Zimmer late game blown leads. That's kind of what happens in the NFL when offenses are so good. When you played that conservative style offense and just wanted mm -hmm. to run the clock out and control the game and try to get a couple first downs, you got to be aggressive and go up two, three scores. Like you can't let your foot off the gas in the NFL anymore. And Zimmer learned that the hard way. If this KOC offense just can continue to learn and grow and understand the nuances of this playbook, run up the score a little bit more than we did under Zimmer, more Sundays mm -hmm. than not, I think this defense is built getting after the passer with Sedarius and Hunter, making things very difficult for opposing quarterbacks. Vikes get to enjoy this win for an extra day as they gear up for the primetime showdown in Philadelphia versus the Eagles on Monday night next week. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be here all week to break all of it down. Plenty more Vikings talk to get into. Next, we're talking the state of emergency the Minnesota Twins are in. But first, with their win over the Packers, the Vikings jumped to fourth best odds in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. You can check those odds out and more with Bet Online. BetOnline.net, fastest, easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, and info you want it. They got it. Bet Online makes betting easy. It's your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net where the game starts. Remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment let us know what you think we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. All right. To baseball we go and talk about going from the ultimate high here, talking Vikes win over the Packers to the ultimate low. Twins, since we last spoke, Reg, now have lost three in a row versus Cleveland, dropping them four and a half games back in the division race with under 20 games to go. This was supposed to be when they turned it on, they got hot, made a push into the playoffs, eight of 11 versus the Guardians, and so far, no bueno losing their first three. Look at lost in all departments right now. Many have officially wrote them off for dead and say there's no coming back from this. But I want to know your take on the Twins and if there's any chance of them waking up and going on a tear here at the end. What needs to happen? You've got the whole buffet wide open to you. Pitching, hitting, coaching. Take your pick. How do the Twins crawl their way back into this division race? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. Like, I outscored 15 mm. over the weekend. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, 
dropping below 500 now for the first time since April. Like, this is the time where you are supposed to bring it. And they just, they got nothing, man. Like, they got nothing. It's premature to count them out just because it seems like whenever it looks like they are donezo. Like, they find a way. Like, they probably come out and sweep the Royals or something the, the next three of games. Of course and then, they will. You know yeah, they then will. You're like, yeah, just yeah, leave then you're like, hanging. okay. Okay, all right. They're, they're, they're still in it. But it's like, look, you go head-to-head with the team at the top of the division. And it's really like no contest. Like, you have a chance to – like, earlier in the week, last week, they had a chance to – overtake the guardians in the division and they just i don't even know what to to say about their performance that that wouldn't you know ruffle some feathers like but they they just couldn't get it done how about that they couldn't get it done and not only do you lose ground on the guardians but then now all of a sudden you lose ground against the team that you were firmly in front of as well with the Chicago White Sox. And so it's just like, there's a free fall happening right now. There's still, funny enough, still a lot of games left on the schedule to to like try to turn this thing around, but nothing that they've done, especially over the last two weeks, inspires much confidence that they can actually overtake the Guardians for that division lead or, you know, make an effort to make the playoffs and they're going to look back at these games and these weeks and really, really regret these performances. Not really sure why these performances are happening, but they are happening. And if you're Twins fans, you're just incredibly frustrated watching it because it really makes no sense, Luke. There's a lot of games left, and they're against the right opponents, too. First, you get three easy games against KC at home. Then you go to Cleveland and get five more against the team you need to beat. Talk about just a double-dip major swing if you can come away, string a couple victories together. But you're right, Reg. I mean, looking like the Twins, after all those deadline deals they made to go get the pitching help, etc., it just may be a lost cause at this point. Much needed day off today for the Twins who stay at home. Start that three-game series with the Royals tomorrow. Joe Ryan on the mound. You're just hoping that Twins ace can come out, have a strong outing to get this team back on track, and take this thing one game at a time. First pitch, 6.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Guardians, by the way, they're starting a three-game series with Anaheim before, again, taking on the Twins for a five-game series. That just, you know, undoubtedly is going to make or break both teams' division race chances. All right, time has come. One of my new favorite segments called Give Me One. I'm going to throw out a Viking topic to Reggie. His first response that comes to mind, give me one. All right, first up, here we go. (laughs) Reggie, give me one unsung offensive hero for the Vikings Sunday and why. So my one offensive hero is one unit, and it's the offensive line. Mm -hmm. They made life... Very, very easy for that offense to work yesterday. You know, it was interesting with Kevin O'Connell using all of those pre-snap motions. I was talking to Ron Johnson at halftime yesterday, and in that first half alone, 98% of their offensive possessions use pre-snap motions. And so, like, there, those were things to keep the defense honest and to, you know, maybe kind of get them back on their heels a little bit. 
but also the offensive line had to do what they had to do. You know, there were a couple mistakes, you know, but largely they checked out well. Dalvin Cook talked about how much of a dog Ed Ingram is. He came in there and in his first start of his NFL career looked like the real deal, looked like a first-round pick, which is what he was graded out to be, you know, other than some of the character concerns that ended up dropping him into the Vikings' lap in that second round. Christian Derrissaw looked every bit like that dude. You know, they kept Kirk Cousins relatively clean, and then Kevin O'Connell made an added effort to run the ball with Cook, with Madison, and they had some room to run. Dalvin Cook looked like his normal, you know, riding like a Cadillac self, and that was because of the, the road graders up front. They were the unsung hero for me of the offensive performance. No, I'm with you. That was going to be mine as well. And just kind of an extension of that answer, Alexander Madison and C.J. Ham. Madison converted so many critical first downs, kept the chain moving, kind of sealed the game there at the end. I think we just now, all of a sudden, after these last few weeks before the season leading up, hey, Madison trade bait. I'll, I'll take a six-round conditional pick. We got Ty Chandler. We got Kenny Nwongo. You realize what a change of pace Madison style is, more that bruising mm -hmm. physical runner versus Dalvin Cook and how tough that is for a defense. And then C.J. Ham, you saw the critical first down. He converted it on a fullback screen. But just again, part of that blocking, not just for the running backs, but for Kirk Cousins when he's in there as well. And when you see a fullback on the field as a defense, you're automatically just thinking run right away. And just the ability for him to keep the defense on their toes when he's in the game is just such a nice little just added cherry on top of Kevin O'Connell's already just intricate offense. So two good unsung heroes there for sure, both in the running game that ultimately just help open things up in the passing game for what Kevin O'Connell wants to do. All right, next yeah. one up. Give me one. One unsung defensive hero for the Vikings and why? So I was going to say Harrison Phillips, um, yep. but I, I think my guy is Jordan Hicks, man. He just came out and just, like I said, Arizona – cut him after he led the team in tackles last year because they just wanted to go younger. But it's just like, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it looks like they could have used him yesterday because they got beat down by the Chiefs out there last night. Like, goodness gracious, they got whooped. But, you know, I was looking at some of the, the stats yesterday as the game went along, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> oh, 13 tackles for Jordan Hicks? Okay, yeah, that'll work. That, that'll do. And, you know, Kendricks was productive, got that big stop on a fourth down. And, like, those two look like the dynamic duo that we were expecting them to be uh, coming into this season. And after a game, like, Jordan Hicks looks like he was a great signing, great bargain signing as well. But he looks like he was a great addition to that defense. Just going to be a productive dude. Like you said, he's on pace for like 5,000 tackles this year. And so I'm looking forward to him shattering that. I, I want to see 5,001. Imagine you're Cam Bynum or Harrison Smith. You're sitting there watching the draft on draft weekend. And the Vikings hand in the card. They select Lewisine, a safety. What do you mm -hmm. think? If you're Harry, you're like, man, they must think I'm getting old. I may be on the way out. You start second guessing yourself how many years I got left. Cam Bynum's thinking, well, that's it. There goes my starting position. They're going to give it to the first round pick. Obviously, I'm going to be a backup for the next couple of years. Well, scene's inactive. He doesn't play. He's dinged up. Supposed to be fine for next week, Monday night in Philly. 
But Cam mm-hmm. Bynum and Harrison Smith, just as a tandem, played every single snap, all 61 snaps on defense. And they were just solid, man. Lights out. Harry looks like the old Harry, that all-pro Harry last year under Zimmer. I don't remember a ton of games saying, man, we, we, Harrison Smith popped out the film. We called his name quite a bit. Yesterday, Harrison Smith was all over the field, looking like peak Harrison Smith, both physically ending coverage, had that interception. And Cam Bynum, I mean, again, just filling in for, again, Lewisine, just kind of playing with house money he's making mm-hmm. it really tough for coaches to put in lewis scene they're gonna have to find some three safety packages to get all three of those guys on the field because right now cam bynum playing too well to take off the field right now so two unsung heroes for me there as well all right last one give me one one critical play during the game that helped define the outcome an ultimate victory for the vikings you got one play that just sticks out in mind from yesterday so i think the um the Christian Watson yeah yeah catch like mm-hmm. if he if he catches that pass and all of a sudden the game is tied now all of a sudden you're you're putting a little bit more pressure on that Vikings offense to do a little bit more than they even had to do and I, I was gonna say that fourth down uh Justin Jefferson catching the the fourth and one for a touchdown but because because that also set the tone but I think that play from Christian Watson kind of let the life out of that offense a little bit for the Packers. And they just didn't really seem to be the same after that. It was the first play of scrimmage, and that's how you set the tone for the offense for the day. And it really did set the tone because they didn't do much of anything for the rest of the day. You know, the running game was okay. You know, they, they got the backs involved in the passing game, and that seemed to work out a little bit better for them. But that pass that that Watson dropped that was going to be a surefire touchdown. He was just going to walk in for six. When that didn't happen, I'm sure Rodgers was frustrated, and it just started what began to be just an absolute nightmare of a day for him. And he was just beside himself out there on the field, on the sideline. And at that point, it was just like, well, give it up. That was That was pretty much the game at that point. <laughs> I mean, you can make a case for that fourth down goal line stand defensively stuff in A.J. Dillon. That's certainly a huge momentum mm-hmm. and just confidence booster for your defense. But no doubt, clear-cut number one choice. You're right. Has to be that Watson drop. Are you kidding me? I mean, first play of scrimmage, mm-hmm. you're right. Again, the body language after that play from not only Aaron Rodgers, but the rest of the team from there on out just never was in sync, never looked the same again. And you could just tell he was just ready to pack his bags and get that game <laughs> over with and get out of Minnesota and U.S. Bank Stadium as quickly as he could. We've seen Rodgers start slow before. You mentioned it at the top of the show. They lose 38-3 to to the Saints last year in Jacksonville first game without Devontae Adams they're gonna have to figure out some things they're gonna have to do it quickly here if they want to get back on track all right that's a wrap today back tomorrow breaking down more Vikings twins and plenty more remember you gotta like rate review and subscribe to the YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports which by the way you can now find streaming on your Roku device so be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well we're a podcast too free and available all platforms subscribe drop us a five-star review and take us everywhere on the go that's the man Reggie 
Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. You can check him out every night on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love this week. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 